Broncos country. It is a victory Monday. My name is Kev Dan. Welcome to the Bourbon Broncos No BS Post Game Podcast. John, you are looking really stunningly handsome today, man. Oh, sorry, that's David. David's here. Oh, oh, oh that's oh, why oh. you look so much better. That, no, I was gonna say, you know, I mean, John. I don't know. He's he's quite the looker as far as I'm concerned, except for the the hair and the face and the personality. <laughs> Everything other than that is great. So. Exactly. Well, hey, yeah. there's one thing we can all agree on that's beautiful, and it is the Broncos being one game out of the AFC West after the Kansas City debacle and winning yesterday as well. So, hey, guys, we're going to break it all down for you. We're going to give you our thoughts on the game uh, and, uh, yeah, see what uh, fun comes out of that. But welcome to the Orange Weekly pre-game, or sorry, post-game podcast. <laughs> Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. Okay, guys, Broncos are back to being above 500 uh, after winning in SoFi Stadium, the Rose Divisional game win for the first time since 2019. David, how you feeling, man? Man, I'm feeling like, I, at this point, like buying a lottery ticket isn't like enough to push my luck, <laughs> right? Like, man, the Broncos have broken some impressive streaks this year. Uh, uh, like you said, first division road game win since 2019. First win at SoFi Stadium ever um first you know and then you stack that on you know first win against the Chiefs since 2015 first win against Buffalo on Monday night footballs you know there's a Sean Payton's picking up some accolades as far as firsts for this Broncos offense it's boy it's encouraging to see right exactly and let's not forget about the defense as well um we were I was right there in the mix with pretty much everyone else after the game that shall not be mentioned um you know, saying this guy is proving himself to be a failure as a coach. Nobody's ever going to want him. You know, is it worth getting rid of him this early in the season? You know, are we going to wait to the bye week? This guy is just going to hold us back. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Hey, yeah. I'll eat my words. I'll eat it. Like, look, I was, I was wrong. I think we can all at this point say like this, this has been a defense that has really, turn itself around and a huge accolades, you know, a huge amount of accolades go to Vance Joseph for that as well. No, I, I think it's time to stop. I think it's time to move on from the apology conversation. Cause I think we've all come to that point and move on to the assistant, assistant coach of the year conversation for Vance Joseph uh, and what he's been able to get out of this defense, what he's been able to coach up after just the, dis the disastrous start to the season. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, Good gosh, I don't know how much of this credit you can rightly put at Jaquan McMillan's feet, but it feels like lots. It feels like yeah. having that guy is he, he's so good that he's become a chess piece for the defense. It's not just um, like he can do his own position really well, but it feels like he's lifting the other guys around him right now. Yeah. And that's super impressive to watch for a nickel cornerback, undrafted rookie like that. I it's it's really special to watch it happening unfolding in for in front of us. Are, are we talking about Chris Harris Jr. 
or Jaquan McMillan because it sounds very similar. <laughs> See, and Chris Harris made this point on Twitter uh, the other day because somebody made that exact comparison. And he said, no, J- I-, I was me. And Jaquan McMillan is Jaquan McMillan, oh, sure. and we're both doing different things. But the comparison is certainly apt when you get into, uh, you know, undrafted rookie slot corner. Um, well, not okay, second year, but um, so. yeah. And it's refreshing to see the rest of the defense being sparked by that too. At the, you know, like mm-hmm. it feels like back to front this defense has kind of had a revolution and yeah. And you know, watching the pass rush be really effective week in and week out, despite the fact that you don't have what you would consider blue chip talent at that position um, to watch your guys get after it, to watch this, the blitzes that Vance Joseph schemes up, get home and confuse offenses. It's, 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 you know, it's just so encouraging to see schematically from a defense that we thought was just going to be, destitute for the rest of the season right well especially after getting rid of frank clark and mm-hmm. um randy gregory you know it's like well there go our premier pass rushers there go the there goes the blue chip talent they are talking about right and now we're gonna have to rely on cooper who is you know shown sparks and benito who has also shown you know even fewer sparks but maybe a couple otherwise we're talking about maybe being a bust right they go out there right. and you know i think they're probably getting close to being in the conversation of an underrated pass duo. You know, I think teams are really going to have to start respecting the pressure that those guys are bringing, especially when you add like Alex Singleton, you know, the, the, the rushes right down the middle and everything like that, that are just really throwing off these teams. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's unfortunate that Nick Benito goes out with the injury in this game. Um, yeah. And Sean Payton did not update his status today at all, which seems concerning to me. Mm-hmm. That feels like an injury that might linger. Um, fortunate though, Jonathan Cooper, who also left the game with an injury at a certain point, was able to come back, finish the game, probably will be good to go. Because, I mean, just Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper is thin enough. Like, after that, you're going to have to rely on Quan McMillan and PJ Locke, like we saw during the game a lot this game to really help out that pass rush. And like you said, to For have sure. Jewel and Singleton coming on those A-gap blitzes up the middle. Um, it's Yeah, it's going to become even more important that the Broncos can do that successfully. But I do at least have faith in Vance to keep scheming stuff up. Yeah. I'll Agreed. tell you, it wasn't this game. He does some funky stuff. Uh, <laughs> it was like, it was two games ago now. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was the Texans game that, the four defenders who were closest to the ball all dropped into coverage, but I also I think on the same play the Broncos rushed six. Yeah, and yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's really interesting to see what he's doing with these with these players, and it's you know encouraging that they can continue to do that down the stretch. I think, right, and mm-hmm. you know as they develop more as as a unit, you know they're going to be able to do some of those those more of those complicated things and see what works and what doesn't work and. Um, you know, you're seeing they're communicating better. You know, they, they took probably two big steps back in terms of what was in the playbook to really simplify things. And it looks like they're slowly adding things back in and getting more mm. creative as, you know, Vance Joseph and the coaching staff to, figures out who these players are and what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. So, yeah. Um, but let's let's go ahead and break down and, and really start focusing on this game here, man. Uh, normally what we do here 
you know, for everybody else who's listening is we'll, we'll re- rewind a little bit, if you will. Let's let's take ourselves back to the start of the game. So, so David, you're sitting there. Game's about to start. Um, what are some of the thoughts going on through your head in that moment, man? It was one of those days where I was like, man, this is one of, you know, there's these games in the past few years, right? That you go yeah. and you look at the Broncos roster and you look at who they're playing against. And it's like, man, they should win this game, right? They should, it, it probably shouldn't be that close. Um, but you and I talked about it in the pregame podcast, right? There was, there was this energy around the Broncos that they're just going to be in close games for the rest of the season, right? Mm-hmm. The defense, their turnover luck regressed last week. And they, you know, they didn't play horrible against the Texans, but, you know, the Texans lost Tank Dell. So you had excuses, excuses. So this game, you're like, all right, well, can they get between Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert? Uh, break up that connection is really what you're hoping to see, but you've also seen Keenan Allen just go ham on the Broncos before. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, I mean, that was kind of what was in my mind right at the beginning of the game. Like, oh man, I, you know, and again, glad to see the Broncos win the toss and defer so you can see what the opposing offense is going to bring at you right away. Because that really kind of sets the tone for how the day is going to go. Um, and what, you know, Kev, what were your thoughts on watching the Broncos um you know, go, go um, what, now, okay, help me out. Rem- remind me how the game, the, the game started. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, um, no, you're good. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, early on Broncos, you know, they don't force a three and out, but they do get, they do force the punt. Um, however, if you remember, the Broncos' first offensive play is that low and outside throw to Marvin Mims. That's what it is. Okay, that's how it gets intercepted. Yep, yep. and that's on yep. you know that's on. Same Russ. thing happened in the Boy, Texans that. game. Yep, that throw's yep. just got to be a little bit better. But the defense holds right. They force uh, yep. four and out and don't allow any points. And at that point, because it's see, and and why I had to get to that was because. I remember in the chat very specifically, you're like, this is the kind of day it's going to be yeah. when that ball gets intercepted, <laughs> right? And so it's, you know, it's like, oh man, is this maybe is an overreaction like- in the moment, but still it was like, it's oh God, a, it's like the first a, play you know, of the game. Ugh. Right. And and in past Broncos seasons, you see them punch in the, the opposing offense, punch that in for a score. You're down seven, nothing before the game feels like it's really even started. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now your offense is trying to get back in the rhythm, reestablish rhythm um from a position of less than zero because you're down seven nothing you know and and instead they force the four and out uh they get the ball back and yeah and you know the the broncos offense starts a little slower than you want they do up they go but they go up seven nothing and Um, at that point you're like so what are your thoughts when they go up seven nothing kev are you thinking man the chargers could still make this a game or well, when you're playing the Chargers, I mean, when you're playing in, you know, SoFi Stadium, especially like you never know, right? The, it, these things can change so quickly on a dime and and to, you know, still respect the talent that Herbert has, you know, and that connection he has with Allen and and knowing that Eckler is back there and Eckler could go off at any moment, right? Like, you know, when it's a close game, especially with a team like the, the Chargers, you do have those pieces, you know, they may not be the most fancy best looking team in the NFL in terms of all around talent and depth talent, but they do have those playmakers that could definitely bite you. Um, you know, and we saw in the second half, uh, the, the chargers backup quarterback um, sticks, 
yeah, stick, um, you know, had that huge 50 plus yard bomb down the field, you know, even though they were down, you know, 17 to seven at their whatever, 17 0 at that point. And like that right there, you know, huge, huge potential mo- momentum shift. So yeah. even though you're up 17 0, all of a sudden the game is 17 7. I know we're skipping forward a little bit, but, but you're you right. Know, you're look, what you're looking at back in that moment is, Man, the Broncos definitely found a way to negate that turnover early on. Um, I think some, I'll just say it, stupidity on the you know, um, co- the 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 Chargers coach's part. Um, can't remember his name, Staley, Staley. Brandon yeah. Staley. You know, like, dude, do you just not? You know, it's almost like what's going through his, his head. Like, does he not respect us enough to say, "Ah, eh, we don't need the points. We'll get them later uh, if we don't get this," or you know, is it just like, uh, man, we are so desperate because we know that we have to get points against this team if we're going to win. Either way, it's like 99% of coaches in that situation would take the three points and get on the board and get some sort of momentum like, hey, that didn't work out, but at least we got something out of it, right? Versus walking away with a huge goose egg. And now what looked like to be a huge momentum shift in the Chargers' favor, favor after that early turnover, it's right back swung full swing the other way into the Broncos court. No. And I'll tell you, I think there were, a, I think there were a few decisions that went into like a few points that went into that decision specifically for Staley. Um, and first he's always been a coach that goes for it on fourth down aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. And I do believe that he maybe didn't have enough respect for our offense to think that if he, you know, if he went for it and failed, that it was going to really end up hurting him in the end. Um, I also think that he watched his team kick two field goals against the New England Patriots last week. And even though they won that game six, nothing, it's like, man, you had Justin Herbert and the Patriots are two and seven at that point. And you couldn't put up six, but six points. I get it. Bill Belichick coaches a good defense, but man, six points. Come on. Yeah. So you're also faced with the fact that, you know, everybody in the national football media is talking about Brandon Staley being one of the first coaches to lose his job once yeah. the season ends. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're, you're I don't even know if he thinks in his mind he can coach himself out of this hole. But, mm-hmm. you know, it starts with scoring points in game situations like that. So I feel like there were, there were three or four points that led to him ultimately making those calls, but you're right. They just, the defense to its credit. And as it has really done all year held in fourth and shorts. Yeah. And you know, fourth and longs too, but fourth and shorts, especially I've been really impressed with the way that this defense has held in those situations over the course of the season. Well, at least one, if not twice yesterday, Mm -hmm. what fourth and a yard or less, Mm -hmm. And they they stuff them, you know. They just stuff them and, and even lose a little bit of ground, you yep. know, in that. And so the the fight is there. That's where you're seeing that fight all the way through. There's not there's not a oh you know we didn't get them on third down now it's fourth and short you know they're gonna get that half yard because they're gonna QB sneak it or whatever like let's just let them have it so we could maybe have a little bit of a break before the next first down or something you know like. They, and not to say that that happens really much in the NFL, but still, like there's there's that little extra push, there's a little extra drive in you, and when the whole defense is on the same page like that, and you have that kind of culture, you're gonna see those kinds of plays, mm-hmm. and that we haven't seen from the Broncos, you know, um, in the past. So, 
it's it's good to see that the defense has not only turned it around, but I think they're stronger than ever. You know, it's not just because the talent is there and they have a good coach, but it's it's that they are actually believing in themselves um, and they're seeing the fruits of their labor pay off as well, finally. So, you know, they're bringing it strong from the very get-go, and it's great to see. Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing, and, you know, you, you look at the offensive performance overall and you say 24 points in a road division game, that's not terrible, but it's not great. You know, and that's that encapsulates the Broncos, I think, on offense, not only this week, but kind of this season. They really (laughs) have been the same offense for the most part. And it, again, feels tantalizingly close. Right. And there was some disagreement in the in the group chat about Jerry Judy. And we can bring it all up here again if we want to. Um, But, you know, I am still a day later um, while acknowledging that Judy obviously just get one go- a goddamn foot down. You got an eighth of the end. Just put the foot down. Put a toe down. One toe. Yep. Ew. This it's, isn't college ball anymore, bro. It's not. It's 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 just not. And you know, so I mean, one of the pass that pass deep down the sideline. You know, there was there was great coverage on that ball. Sure, and sure. Jerry yeah. could have made that catch, but um, you know that deep the deep ball where Russ had to reset and just kind of launch it to a spot. I mean, I get that it was a little far away from where Judy was in the course of his route when he threw it, but it hits you in the hands, man. Yep. Like I'm, you gotta... and Russ threw it there for a reason. Yes. I guarantee you, Russ put it. Russ put it right there where it was just out, just out of reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the other guy had seen it in time and turned around and chased him down, it would not have been an interception. Yes, right. Right. So the fact that there was that separation between Judy and the defender because the defender didn't react to it quick enough. Judy saw it, had plenty of time to course correct, look at it, find it, get in the spot where it hit his hands, and then drops it. That's the problem. I will every time there is a great defensive play, I will I will stand up and say, look, great play, great defense, great defensive stop. You got our guy there. You know, like there was nothing our guy could have done about it. Um, and then you see a play like that, and you're like, dude, that was just on you. Right. Yep. And and to me, David, it goes back to, you know, I I call it a temper tantrum, but the show, the the strong show of emotions that he had on the field, you know, in public display of showing his displeasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you saw what I think was just the the best thing the coaching quarterback could have done all week and come out and, and just give absolute support for this guy. Yes, we see that he was open on at least two or three of those big plays, and we didn't get him any looks. You know, Russ coming out and saying Jerry Judy is a great player, I have great respect for him. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to get him more involved in the game. You know, like they band together and said, you know what, man, <laughs> don't probably don't really agree with how you handled the situation. You know, maybe we need to talk about you know getting a little bit maturity in you. But you're right. Let's let's see what we can do and get you some more chances. And man. The, the one that stands out to me even more than that deep sideline field that he you know, passed that he dropped was the touchdown because you look at Corlin Sutton's catch from a few weeks ago where it was negative 0.3 yards out of bounds, you know, uh, when he caught it and still just got the very tiptoe of, you know, the tip of his toe in there to make it count. And then you see Jerry Judy with a whole leg stride that there was just no even attempt to yeah. even put the foot down. Yeah. If he was like, it was a weird wide, he had like stretch out to catch it and his foot was out there and 
the, the foot just swung wide, but it was pointed down and it just didn't graze the grass. No, it was just hovering right over the field all the way out. And you're like, do you want to be here? Do you want to be here for the team or do you want to be here for your attention? You know, to get it. So that's, that's, where, and, and like I'm a day removed now. The, the emotion is not really as much there as it was anymore. I just think it, it really points to there's still some ways to go when it comes to um, finding the right players for this team. And I think there's going to be some of that discussion this offseason of do we want to move forward with, you know, with this player or that player, what, whoever it is, right? We already saw Randy Gregory and, and Frank Clark, Clark let go for a lot of reasons we don't know. Uh, we can surmise and we can guess, right? But you're looking at is this guy going to be a team player moving forward? So I don't know, David, like what else did you think about the, the well, and that's, you know, we that's a reasonable discussion to have for the sure. offseason. I just sure. right now. Yeah. Um, I um, I'm just like I get I get where you're coming with, from with the frustration of, of what happened last week versus what sure. then goes out on the field this week. And it's just to, but for me, it's like, OK, but right now where the team is at seven and six with six teams in the AFC tied at seven and six. And you want to make a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the position that you're in with the head-to-head losses that you have in the conference, and we've talked about it before, means mm-hmm. you can afford maybe one more loss this season if you realistically want a shot at the playoffs. But to give yourself a really good chance, you got to win out. Yep. And to string together that kind of end-of-season script, you've got to have somebody in on this offense particularly – which goes out there and doesn't fire on all cylinders, you know, on a week to week basis, they're not a hundred percent together yet still. And you just, you got to have a playmaker besides Cortland Sutton, who's there and available in the passing game on a reliable basis. And, and we've seen Jerry Judy be that before we saw it over the last five games of last season, he caught fire. Right. I'm not saying talented. No, 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 of course. Yeah. But, but it's just, it's got, you know, he's the, I think he's a, the one who's most likely to do it of anybody with apologies to Lucas Kroll, who did have a really nice play yeah. right in. <laughs> but B, I think he's the guy who of everybody else who's available adds the most if he is that guy. Yeah. So it's just, I want to see, I, I, I hope to see them get on that page again. I, yeah. this, you know, I, I want to see that connection because we know it's there. We know it's been there before. Just bring it, bring it back, because you guys, yeah. you're, you're painfully close on some of these plays. And you know, if you turn two or three, two out of the three of those plays into good, play, you know, if you turn those into catches instead of yeah. uh, drops, what are we? What are we? We're having a huge different conversation today. And yeah. so, you know, it can happen that easily, guy Jerry yeah. Judy and Russell Wilson. And as I know, you're both listening and watching. Yeah, of um, it's just, you know, get there. Well, that's, that's what you're looking like. How can we go from scoring 20 to 24 points a game to more than that? Mm-hmm. And you're a couple plays away a game. Yeah. You're a couple, you know, and, and sometimes it, there's, yeah, you could put a little blame on Russ. Sometimes you could put the blame more on the player. Uh, in this case, there were two instances where you could definitely put it on Jerry Judy. Um, and not, you know, not to say that that big pass down the sideline would have resulted in a field or in a touchdown, but at least a field goal, right? So now you're looking at maybe 27-7. You know, maybe it's a touchdown. Maybe you're looking at closer to 30-7 to being the end score, right? Um, 
And so yep. we're, we're close. We're close to being able to really put together a more substantial offense. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's good to see in that regard, at least. And then you stack the narrative, right? Because if you score 27 points this week, well, now suddenly it's, oh, the offense has scored 27 points two weeks in a row. And yeah. now they go up against a Detroit team that is like kind of bad on defense, like worse than any of the teams on defense that we've been playing in the past few weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. I am looking forward to our discussion on mm-hmm. the on the Tuesday night show. So for yeah. everybody out there, Bourbon Broncos, no BS, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And we start talking about this Lions game because I think the Lions share a lot of similarities with the Dolphins in that they are really good for the most part, except this last weekend, at beating teams with losing records. But when they play teams with winning records, they struggle. And you look at the teams that the Lions have played against, they've played, I don't want to say easier teams, but mostly teams with losing records. And you see the couple of losses they have, those were all against teams with winning records. So they're beatable is what I'm getting at. You know, got to respect the talent they have, but they're beatable. And the Bears showed that like none other this last week. So I'm excited to that game Absolutely. in. So there's now, a little tidbit for everybody out there. Yeah, tease, if you will. Tease. So make sure you join us on Bourbon Broncos and No BS tomorrow, 7 p.m. Um, quick want to give a shout out to Joey for watching because, Joey, thanks for watching. And uh, yeah, I have, to, I have to go on a mini rant here about Tommy DeVito. Not so much a mini rant. Just I – look – NFL media, I understand Tommy DeVito is Italian. Yep. That talking point got real, got less interesting after about a half. <laughs> and then the next two weeks, it was just, oh, I got the number of Tony Soprano memes on the timeline. I just, <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, he's Italian. And, you know, then he goes out and plays a couple of stinker football ball games and you realize yeah that was the most interesting thing about him the whole time anyway exactly <laughs> rolling yeah rolling back to this broncos game um and i want i do want to talk a little bit about the lucas kroll play um which i want to talk know, a lot about the lucas kroll play okay. i love it let's talk about it you know it's it, it's too early to um anoint this guy is the next receiving threat at tight end, right? Sure. Um, sure. And you want to see him put out a little bit more consistency, but man, that was a big play when they needed a big play, right? You know, there's something to be said about when you're so open like that, it can sometimes be tougher to make those catches because Mm. you have time to think and analyze, you know, there's no one around. And so, I mean, how many times have we seen just people wide open? Not just on the Broncos. I'm talking about across the league, across any sport, you know, like guys wide open or has a, a wide open net to get the puck into or whatever the case is. And they just miss. And they just drop the ball. It's like, how could you do that? Right. Not mm-hmm. only it's human, but, you know, it, it's like you're a professional. You need to do those things, you know. So it's, it's almost like when there's that much pressure on you, you're like, oh, wow, I have time to recognize that everybody's eyes are on me. I have no one around. I have got it. I better catch this. And then by the time it's there, maybe you, you, you just don't catch it just right or whatever. So there there's something to be said about a guy who gets that open and just, you know, is able to make that happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was a brilliant play call, play design, by the way, too. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's the kind of thing where you like this offense misses open guys sometimes or Russ misses open guys. And it really felt like he had time. Like he felt like he had time to stand in the pocket, go through the reads, find where the guy who was schemed open is at the time where he's supposed to be there and hit him in the window. And, you know, you saw it with the Lucas crawl play, um, that drive ended in a field goal. I think that was the drive right before the end of half. Um, but then you also saw it, you know, we schemed open Adam Troutman on a ridiculous play uh, earlier in, or later in the game for that touchdown that you were like, when I saw it was third and two, I saw oh, them I'm have open. I'm confusing Troutman with Kroll. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, all right. Well, so we're on Troutman now. Um, yeah, no, so, okay. so, you know, you've got the, the three running backs in the backfield to look, yeah. you've got Russ, it was, you've got a heavy set. You're looking at them do all sorts of crazy motion. And then you see Russ just sprint out and you're like, oh yes. Oh yeah. Cause he's got this two, two yards. <laughs> he's going to get the first. <laughs> he's got it easy, right? Just hold on to the ball as you're going down Russ. And then you see him throw it and you're like, oh no, what's what happening? Why are you you throwing it to like everybody's on the right side of the field? Right. And what are you doing? I swear to God, if there's a guy just back there in single coverage and you're just trying to gun it in there, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) And but then there's nobody there. There's nobody there, but Adam Troutman and he just boinks it. And it's like, got it. All right. Got it. Okay. All right. That's the easiest touchdown. I'm not used to easy touchdowns. No. No. So, you know, I'll take that all day long. But going back to Lucas Kroll and what you were saying, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, the the skill you're seeing here and the poise you're seeing from Russ, I think, especially on that play and the play, uh, Cortland Sutton's big down-the-field touchdown, one-armed pass interference, you know, touchdown. Mm-hmm. He had the most amount of time in the pocket I think he's had all season. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was incredible. And he, he stood there made his reads, was very confident. You saw a lot of trust in the offensive line there. You know, I think if there wasn't any real trust, after about two to three seconds, he might have gotten into his, uh, there's got to be somebody coming down on me from somewhere mm-hmm. that I just don't see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he, he no, stood he, there. He, that he was, was fantastic. Perfect. He was perfect. He stood where there. He readjusted, but he then he set his feet again and, you know, had the good mechanics when he threw that ball. Um, yeah, it was, it was, and it's, I think they said that was the longest touchdown in air yards of any touchdown pass this season. Um, yeah. So, um, now I will say on the back end of that, um, we have, I, I, to my mind, when I watch the replay, I've seen Cortland Sutton get called for pass interference, offensive pass interference for less than he did on that play. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Michael Davis didn't help his own cause by literally grabbing Cortland Sutton's arm with two hands uh, and basically guaranteeing that he got that call. But yeah, Sutton put his hand right into his chest there at the, at the end of that route when he was about to catch that ball. So I was for like, sure. be, be careful, buddy. I yeah. love you. Be careful. But, but yeah, don't, don't take this away. Yeah. Don't take this away. But no, you know, it stood, it was, it was beautiful. I leapt out of my seat and felt joy at a December football game for the Denver Broncos in who knows how many. That's weird. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Mm -hmm. I I'm telling you, I seriously am feeling like this season is taking forever. Yeah. And I'm not complaining. It's not a bad thing. It's, Mm -hmm. it's wow. I'm still really this invested 
into the the Broncos football games. Obviously, we've been doing the podcast and everything throughout the whole seasons for the last seven years. But there's a level of, wow, there's there's a lot of football left to be played. Okay, okay, I see what's going on here. Versus, uh, can we just end this pain already? Right. <laughs> like, oh, uh, there's four games left. Um, maybe we could win one and and just not end the season too terribly you know can we get the five yeah. on the year it's yeah. not like that it's it's very reinvigorating so yeah this is this is great man i think we're all feeling it and we all should just be for all the fans out there that have stuck with the broncos through all of the crappy years this is why this is why not to say you know welcome back to the fans that are like oh yeah my broncos are doing good again look glad you're here but i'll tell you what you're not feeling it as well as the rest of us are yeah. We are on, we are above cloud nine. You know, this yep. is the, this we're at. So we're talking uh, before I go there, you know, before we kind of start thinking about closing this out, uh, David, you know, what, what other big takeaways did you have for this game? What other things did you see, or, you know, uh, really excited you, uh, or maybe even concerned you about moving forward? The, the run defense is getting better. I don't want to say it's good yet. Um, they still let Austin Eckler have five yards of carry. Um, they allowed the team, the charges as a team to have get four yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of, you know, they kind of played themselves into a situation there where they were not tasked to play the run defense all that much. Um, yeah. I think they did a little bit better last week against the Texans. Um, but you know, I, so that it's, it's just one, you know, another th- uh, one thing to keep a real eye on for the rest of the season. Like, is uh, they've got really one more big time rushing test coming up, and it's this game against the t- the Lions. Um, can they do enough in that in the game to shut down that productive part of the Lions offense and try to make them win the game with Jared Goff? Um, yeah. I don't want to give away too much of the pregame podcast. This being the <laughs> postgame podcast, but I think that'll be a really crucial key to that game and i just i i didn't see quite enough against the chargers to think oh yeah they've got it ironed out now they've built on what they did against the texans and it's you know it's it's sorted now yeah yeah i i don't feel the confidence that you know we can go into uh into the lions stadium there and just you know, have another 24 to seven game, you know, I expect it to be a lot closer, you know, but that's the thing. That's what I, what I'm taking away from this game is the bounce back that we had over the course of a week, right. Losing yeah. a really big game for the, for the team. And they, the players knew how important it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So to lose that game, then go on the road again to Los Angeles where they haven't won since 20 or they have, they haven't won in SoFi at all ever, mm-hmm. probably some bad memories from Christmas day last year, you know, yeah, resurfaced when they walked yeah. in some deja vu of, Uh-oh, you know, but, but they went out there and, and overall they put together an inc- a really, really solid bounce back game. And that tells me they're locked in. You know, that tells me the, the words that Russ is saying of, I'm proud of us. We've come a long way, but we haven't done anything yet. There's still so much more, more work to do. We still have to improve. You know, we're still working on it. And we're happy for ourselves, but we haven't done anything yet. I really feel that the words he's saying is what they're feeling and actually believing. And, you know, um, just 
using that to drive them forward versus saying, cool, we have seven wins so far this year. This is the most the Broncos have had in seven, eight years. Awesome. You know, <laughs> like we're done. <laughs> it's a, right. no, we're, we're, we're putting the foot to the, the pedal here. So, you know, the, the one thing though, and I think this is as we get into future seasons here, it's not just can the Broncos win the AFC West. It's what does this team need to do to get a super Super Bowl performance? The, the reason I bring this up is not, you know, we're still in this season, right? But watching the, the Cowboys-Eagles game last night and just seeing how quick and precise the Cowboys' offense is, even, even the Eagles, I mean, the, the speed at which they communicate and get to the line and, you know, throw the ball and players are just so in tune with each other. That's where we have to get as, a, as an offense, you know, at least somewhat to that level, right? to be in that serious conversation. So look, you know, the offense does have a long way to go. Um, if for somehow they ended up winning the Super Bowl this year, it's fantastic. Right. But um, yeah, well, all right. I think, I think, you know, we were talking about getting into the playoffs and it'll be interesting to see how they perform in a playoff, you know, environment, because that alone is such a huge um, experience factor that these young players need to get. Right. So, there's a lot of positive for this team. There just really is. Um, I think the the amount of growth that they have to go is um, it's not intimidating anymore. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's no. It just it feels like they've got a coach who's just going to walk them through it. It doesn't feel like it's impossible because it feels like they've got the guy who's going to work with them and you know figure out the the best way to really deploy all of these assets. And that's when we'll have the Jerry Judy conversation again. Right. Yeah. And we'll see what Tim Patrick, hopefully maybe can bring to this offense next year. Cause yeah. honestly, that's I, the thing. I love Timmy P Tim. And he's such a perfect Sean Payton receiver. He's he an is. excellent Sean Payton receiver. And I just, he, I want to see him so badly in this offense. Yeah. Um, and you know, to Angelo's question here, um, you know, I think balance wise, I think they found the balance they want. Um, they ran the ball 31 times against the chargers and passed the ball 33 times. Um, yeah, can't ask for any better. No. And I think that's what they want to be. Um, I think they want to get more efficiency out of their passing game. Um, mm -hmm. it's such a boomer bust passing game, maybe not boomer bust, but boomer check down, uh, passing game. Yeah. Um, and I think they want more out of it than that. They really do. I think you see them trying to get that at times and just not really putting that part of the offense together all that well yet. And so I, you know, that's, it's not the most satisfying answer I know, but I feel like that's, that's just where it is this point. And I think mm -hmm. some of it does come down to the fact that Sean Payton's offense doesn't fit Russ's stylistically, you know, Russ's strengths stylistically at mm -hmm. times. I think they are also doing a decent job of finding the things that Russ is good at and is comfortable doing and yes. doing Sean Payton things to make them make it workable for both of them. Um, I think that it's going to look better next year than it does this year. If Russ is still mm -hmm. the QB next year, mm -hmm. but I think this year, I don't know that you can expect a, a huge, huge improvement or offensively over what you're seeing now. 
Uh, you know, you may you may see them put together one or two more drives per game consistently that end in scores. Mm-hmm. But I also think you're going to see drives that end that are, you know, there'll be three and outs for the rest of the season and more than you would like, I think. Yeah. I think it's a very fair point, man. Um, I think the the level of detail that Coach Payton and Russell Wilson bring to the table, um, you give these guys a whole offseason to analyze all the footage, all the bad. There's been a lot of bad this season and all of the good, and there's been a lot of good this season. And you're right. I, I don't think they're going to go out there and they're going to look like the number one offense in the league next year, right? But if you're telling me they can be just a little more consistent and put together on average, two more scoring drives a game than they have this year, or at least over the last seven weeks. Dude, with this mm-hmm. defense, <laughs> that, that's good. You're talking about, you know, what we did 24 points here today. You're talking about 27, 30, 34, 35 points a game at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, coupled with some very frustrating three and outs. Um but that's kind of what happens when you when you're also being incredibly protective of the football. So, you know, we don't need to score 35 points a game if we're allowing only 20 or less. But it'd be nice to see us go out there and do that and be able to solidify these wins earlier on than the last five seconds of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> really. So, okay, man. Um, that being said, what other any other thoughts, any closing thoughts you have on the uh, the Broncos bounce back win, taking us back to seven and six? Closing thoughts. I thought the offensive line had a game. I, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but to bounce back as a unit, um, even when you lose Quinn Miners, and thankfully it looks like he's going to be okay with that weird heart to heart injury or a heart mm-hmm. um, uh, not heart injury, but uh, irregular heartbeat um that he had um sounds like he's going to be okay but even you know having him go down and kind of losing that cohesion that you've had all season especially trying to bounce back after a game where you probably held up your worst since the early part of the season you know the Mm -hmm. Texans were you know kind of badgering this they got after this offensive line a little bit did um and yeah to bounce back against a team you know they had a good plan for Khalil Mack they really kind of took him out of the game and the, the Chargers didn't have any other answers. Um, so that that was really encouraging to see. Um, and, you know, g- good to have Miners back probably next week. But, you know, just overall encouraging to see them bounce back after kind of a bad performance against the Texans. Exactly. Mm. Look, the Broncos are in a good spot. Like, obviously, woulda, coulda, shoulda beat the Texans. And I can only imagine how much better we'd be right now. But you know what? It didn't happen, and if they learned a lot from it, then I'm okay because now here we are facing um, just as an important game in, in terms of I think overall predictions. Now we can't we are saying that this is the one thing game they could drop theoretically uh, because it's an NFC team in the Lions, but uh, you win that you beat them, you find a way to walk away with the win there, and then you have the Patriots the Raiders and the Chargers, three very winnable teams. If you go out there and you play like you deserve to be a playoff team. Um, and two of those three games are at home. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we get through this, this three, um, three game road stretch and we are knocking on Kansas city's door, man. Hey, Broncos fans, you might start one of, you know, blocking out that, that, that Sunday, 
or that first week, uh, first playoff weekend, there might be a home playoff game. I don't know. Just maybe start start looking at it, seeing if you can free up your your schedule just in case. All right. Now I will. I'll I'll throw a little cold water on this because Kevin. I, okay, good. I need it. I need it. I need to be brought down. The, <laughs> the Chiefs' final four games are kind of like the Broncos, except they don't have the Lions in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I now I have to look at their schedule again. Um, but it is not by any means a gauntlet. No. At the end of the season for them, they've got. At, um, so they got they go to Foxborough for at Patriots this upcoming week. That's a that's uh, a Chiefs win. Yeah, they, then they host the Raiders. Then okay. they host the Bengals, which again that one. that one. But no Joe Burrow. Um, Jake Browning has been playing well, but is it that backup quarterback is playing well for a couple of games thing? that is going on with Jake Browning for the Bengals right now, or is he actually going to play well for the rest of the season? Um, And again, that's at home for the chiefs. Then their Mm -hmm. last game of the season, they travel to Los Angeles to play the chargers. The Bengals might be the only one there, but you know, while I totally understand what you're saying, this is also the most beatable the chiefs have ever been true. And I think you're seeing a lot of, you know, Sorry, go for it. No, no, I'll, I would love to see the Broncos play the Chiefs even at Arrowhead, even yeah. in the first round of the playoffs. Because man, I think we could beat them. I think we could beat them. I think they would go into that game with all the confidence in the world. I really do. Yep, especially the, the way they played them in Arrowhead the first time, like defensively. Anyway, yep. Yep. and then we take what we did offensively. The second game, okay, you know, I'll tell you this. I guarantee you that the other AFC teams are looking at us right now and saying that's out of all the possibilities here, they're the Broncos are the team that we really don't want to play in the playoffs mm. because of our defense. Yeah. Um, and when you have a defense like that, you know, you, you never know what can happen. You know, you just, are they going to get three or four interceptions that game against us? You know, where they only need to put up 17 points, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it just makes it that, that much more interesting. So, um, the the problems with the Chiefs becoming older, contracts are going up. They they need to bring in younger talent, which is not as experienced. You're just seeing they're they're not as young as they were. Yeah, they're becoming they're the team to beat, but they're beatable. So all I'm hoping for is them to drop one more game and us to win out, and by some miracle we can say this one in five team ended up winning the division with the chiefs in it. Like it's not just, it's not like the, you know, NFC East or, or South, whatever crappy, you know, NFC comfort division. It's, it's, you know, here we are as the Broncos with the home playoff game. They were buried, buried. And we buried them. We all yeah. buried them. We all did it. at one did five. It. Why not? We were, <laughs> there was a 70 burger on your record for God's sake. Look, <laughs> at, them Look at them now. One game out of the Look division. at them now. Ugh. Hey, this is a great spot to be in. Yep. Um, David, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you too. And there's a lot of really interesting things to, to look at here. And as we break down what the Broncos are doing, we are having to take a really good look at all these other games now, you know, because for the first time, even since when Peyton Manning was here, we never had to really worried about the wild card mess, but it's very messy in the AFC right now. And so it's going to lead to a lot of other discussions of what this means, you know, what all these other games mean for the Broncos, but yeah. end of the day, all they can do is take care of the business that they have to take care of. So it starts with the Lions this week. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So. Kev, it was a blast coming on. A blast doing was, the post-game uh, podcast here with you. I know we well, talked a lot about a smack of about the pro, post-game <laughs> podcast, and it's deserved. The pre-game podcast sure. is still better. But, uh, <laughs> no, you guys do good work over here. We, we love you. We're, it's, yeah. it's, great it's, it's a team effort. It really yeah. is. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, we're going to sign out, guys. Get ready for all of the other uh, Bourbon Broncos No BS content we have for you throughout the week from the Orange Weekly Broadcast Network to include the pregame podcast, the Tuesday night Bourbon Broncos No BS show at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on Tuesdays, as well as the pregame tailgate talk live show and the live halftime hash show. So make sure you check out all of our other content. With that, guys, David, I don't think there's anything else for us to say other than, and this is we always do, on a really very strong <laughs> go, go broncos take care everyone do what i like yeah do what i like yeah do what i like if it goes if it's right and i go with the flow yeah go with the flow yeah go with the flow because i know i'm the show in the zone here i go in the zone here i go in the zone here i go